I was choking on something and I gagged too. There were tubes in my nose, in my throat, sensors beeping all around me. I had no idea where I was and I couldn't move anything on my body. But my eyes worked and I could see my father in the corner of the room, bags under his eyes, hadn't shaved. You could tell he'd been under duress. The first words out of my mouth, how did I do in the game? After a long pause, my father spoke through tired eyes. Son, you didn't play. You broke your neck. That's when I realized I had died. That's when I realized my dreams were shattered. But that's how I came alive, my deep need for purpose. Well, my name is Micah McKelvin, and I have the privilege of serving alongside over 630 team members who right now are advancing the gospel and serving some of the poorest on planet Earth through Vapor Ministries. And I just want to start by saying on behalf of our global teams and my family, we are so grateful, so glad to be here at Foothills Church today. Now, y'all glad to be here? I mean, worship was hype. We were into it, a lot of energy. Y'all glad to be in church today? All right, if that's you, just go ahead and turn to your neighbor and say, it's good to see you in church today. Now, Knoxville location, I can't see y'all on the other side. Uh, those of you that are tuning in online, I can't see you either. But inside this room, uh, most of y'all had multiple neighbors. And for some reason, you chose one over the other. So now y'all got to turn to your second choice and you got to say, they let anybody in at Foothills. <laughs> so it is, uh, it's, it's truly an honor to be here. And it has, it's also my first time to be here. And, and naturally, first time communicator, first time meeting most of y'all. I, I, don't, I don't know y'all. Though that is true, I still know we have at least two things in common. And the first is you and I share respect, admiration, and love for your pastor. I just want you all to know that you have pastors that love God, love his word, are committed to reaching people, caring for people, are committed to making disciples. And Pastor Trent, he loves you. Now, the Bible says we give praise to God, but we show honor to whom honor is due. He's over in the Knoxville location. So Knoxville, you got to shout it loud right here. Join me in giving some love, some honor to your pastor. Thank you, Pastor Trent. Your assignment this week is encourage him. Easter's a big week. He's preparing to, to bring the word. So send him a note. Tell him you love him. Uh, Make sure you don't give them a hard time, especially this week, all right? So, so I, I knew we shared that in common, uh, and I actually have a second message that I was going to pull out if we didn't share that in common, right? <laughs> but since we're good there, uh, let's go to the second thing we have in common. You and I both also want to live a meaningful life, right? I actually believe we were wired by God to walk a purpose-filled path. But there's a problem. A wide road sits in front of each of us. And every day we're invited to waste our life on things that will not matter when it's over. 
And the sad truth is this. Most walk into the grave void of purpose. But you're different, right? You wouldn't be here this morning. You wouldn't be tuning in online if you weren't committed to living a life that matters. If you weren't a part of the call of this year to make it count. And so I'm here this morning to spur you on. I'm here to add value. I'm here to encourage you. And so note takers, go ahead and take your pen and your pad out. If you like taking notes on a device, go ahead and pull that out now because today I want to encourage not only your heart, but your mind. And I want to do so by offering two life-giving truths and a talk we'll call simply dying for purpose. Now, as I was thinking about our time this morning and thinking about encouraging you and speaking from the word and also honoring your pastor, uh, I was also thinking about my mama. Now, my mom, she is kind and gracious, and, and we got a little Southern heritage in our roots. And, and, and mama tells us to be hospitable, right, especially uh, with people you're just meeting strangers. And, and so I was thinking about her, and I was thinking about the message, and I was thinking I've got a little dilemma, because the first truth, it's where we need to start, but the first truth, it's, it, it's a little bit maybe hard. It could even be a little bit offensive. And so there's my dilemma. And I also started thinking, well, some of you aren't going to tune in the whole time, right? I know some of y'all are going to surf the web during the message and, you know, all that type of stuff, right? And so I didn't want to, like, come out and say something hard, and then you don't hear the rest and so he, here's the deal. Here's how I'm going to resolve it. If you plan on tuning me out, you're not going to listen to the whole message. I get it. Just go ahead and tune out now, okay? But if you're going to stay the whole time, you got to stay the whole time because the first truth's the hard one. The second one's the good news. Deal? Okay. If you're with me, you're with me. Let's go. Mark it down. First truth. Death precedes purpose. The most blunt way to say it is this. My plan for my life, your plan for your life, produces death. In the Proverbs, he says it this way. There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. Jesus was a master teacher. And we often see him when he was using, or we often see him in the New Testament when he was getting at difficult truths. We, we would see him use illustrations and, and he would grab things that were, were normalized in local culture and he would, he would help heavenly truths stick on earth. And so speaking in part to this very point in an agricultural society, we see him draw from the farm. He pulls his disciples together, and here's what he says. He says, very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. You see, if a seed doesn't die, it can't truly live. If a seed doesn't die, it withers. It ends its existence alone, unfulfilled. Right, but God designed something greater. God had bigger plans, 
and yet they go unfulfilled. It's this counterintuitive reality, and he's using farming to help us connect with it, right? The farmer, what does he do? The farmer digs a hole in the ground, drops the seed in it, then the seed is buried, and then a dying process commences. And if it dies, it germinates, and life can come forward. Isn't it, isn't it, isn't it counterintuitive? Isn't it kind of crazy that for the seed to live beyond itself, it actually must die to self? What's his point? A life dedicated to self ends with self. And yet culture says, do you, your plans, your path, your way. And I was all about me, my gain, my glory. If you were to have asked me, hey, Micah, sum up your goals for your life, I could have done so in two words, assets and accolades, right? I wanted the dough, the coin, you know what I'm saying, the American dream, right? But I wanted the glory, the fame. And, and in my mind, my ticket to get there was, was ball. Love me some ball. How many of y'all athletes in the house this morning? How many, actually, wait a minute. How many of y'all former athletes in the house this morning? How many of y'all used to play some ball? How many of y'all love the ball, right? This is ball, right? Oh, man, I did I tell y'all I love some ball? Man, I love some ball. Growing up, my father played uh, college, had opportunity post-college. He, he was actually athletic director, had football, had basketball, had baseball coach. I played quarterback, free safety, pitch, played shortstop, played point guard. I was that kid on the grass, right in the grass on Friday nights in the gym. I mean, I love some ball, you know what I'm saying? Actually, there's uh, pictures of me when I was a kid. See, my dad said that if you slept with the pigskin, he used to do it in college, that it actually made your hands softer. And so there's pictures of me with a basketball, a baseball, a football. No wonder I was sleep deprived, right? But what happened for me is a passion for a game became idolatry. And my father could see it happening. After one practice, he came up to me and he said, son, life isn't about a game. God has made you on purpose for a purpose and success is selling out to God's plan for your life. Good advice. But it crystallized an internal tension. I would not have said it this way, but it's true. I wanted Jesus to be Savior and me be Lord. This wrestling match, it, it crystallized this tension and late into a, a night, a Thursday night before a big football game, I'm in this argument with God. At about 2 a.m., I crawled out of bed. I stood up in my room and I said, God, this is my life. This is what I want to do with it. Leave me alone. Now, the truth of the matter is I probably would have made AAA nothing, but that's not the point. I was all about me. Not too long after that, we went to do something we had learned to love. We had lived out on the West Coast, picked up surfing, we had now moved out to Florida, and I don't know if y'all know this, but there's a big pond out there. It's like this placid lake that we call it the Gulf of Mexico. I don't know if you, have y'all have you been down there? Not a lot of surfing waves until the hurricanes kick up surf. So a hurricane had settled in. We thought it'd be a good idea, my brother and I, to ride some waves. So we went down to the beach, and, and there's huge beach break. And so my brother and I, we're always competitive, and we're racing, and get my clothes off and I'm, I'm racing down towards that surf and this swell had reformed and just before it hit the beach, like I am, 
I'm going, I'm trucking. I was fast, y'all. I mean, I was probably going like two miles an hour. But I, I, I mean, top speed, I mean, head lowered. I'm, I'm running towards that wave. At the last minute, I dive in and, and I hit that wave. And as soon as I hit that wave, it was like a shock rushed through my spine. Instinctively, I knew to lay still. But the momentum of the dive kind of carried me through the water. I remember being like face down, groggy, something's off. The next wave, it, it rolled me over. And when I tried to get up, my body wouldn't work. Panic begins to course through my veins. My lungs are screaming. I'm underwater. I see air. I can't move. In the last ditch effort, I, I put my lips together, but instead of oxygen, I caught water and I passed out. Now my brother saw me dive in. He doesn't think anything's wrong. He went to get the football, waiting to play some catch. And after a few moments pass, he actually comes to the very place where I dove in, looks out, nothing. He thinks maybe Micah's playing a joke. He leaves, begins to look in the bushes, and every minute that passes, I'm drowning. My parents had dropped us off, parked the car. They got my sisters out, and they make their way down to the beach, and they enter a frantic scene. And then a mother's worst nightmare. My mom, she hit the beach and began to scream at the top of her lungs, God, 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 don't take my son. Five to seven minutes had passed. A stranger was standing 150 yards down the beach in a slack pool of water, and he was lifting a hand on a corpse. My father ran down, pulled my body out of the surf. No heartbeat, no pulse, flatlined. I was dead. My brother got my mom up and they ran to the nearest house. 911, EMTs, defibrillator, helicopter. I don't remember much of the first week, but I remember like choking on something. And I gagged too. Tubes. That's when I realized I had died. That's when I realized my dreams were shattered. But that's how I came alive to my deep need for purpose. You see, the truth of the matter is, is my lust for my life, my way, it needed to die. And God knew that long before I did. And he had spoken over his disciples a message that rings true in this house, in this place today, when he said in Matthew, if you try to hang on to your life, your plan, your path, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. You see, the truth of the matter is, is for each and every one of us that knows Christ, that's submitted to his lordship. There's a search my heart, O oh God. There's a cleanse me, O oh God. There's a renew a right spirit in me question we must continually ask. And it's simply, God, what in my life needs to die? And I submit to you this morning that the songs we sung the praise we offered, the worship we elevated, they were on point this morning. But there's only one posture that makes sense betwe between, there's only one posture that makes sense before all hail King Jesus. 
He is sovereign God. He did speak galaxies into existence. He is the breath in our lungs. He is the one who at his name every knee will bow and tongue confess. He is the source, the author, the wellspring of all life. He is God. He is Savior. He is King. And the only posture that makes sense before King Jesus All hail King Jesus. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I want to encourage you at this morning. I want to encourage you at this juncture in our word, in the message. It begins with a dying. It begins with a laying it down. I want to invite you at this point to simply mark down, write it down. Let life's author write your script. You see, when we begin to die to our plans, when we begin to lay it down before his throne, that's when it gets good. Because death precedes purpose. But purpose, purpose actually produces Life. Purpose is the overflow, the byproduct of the life that God intended through us. Purpose is the reason you still have life in your lungs. Purpose gives you a claim on oxygen. Purpose gives you real estate to breath. Purpose and life are interconnected. You see, we love to compartmentalize. We love to separate. God, you got some place and some time on Sunday, but it's my game on Monday. And in God's economy, our entire life and purpose are interrelated. You see this all throughout Scripture. And I love the, the, the distinct connection, the very intentional connection he makes in Ephesians. Look, look what he says. He says, for we are God's masterpiece. Pause there for a moment. Remember the words of, of David when he says, you knit me together in my mother's womb. He's talking about our first creation, right? God was actually involved in your design. You know that, right? Yes, your mom and dad came together, right? But he was knitting. He was engineering. He was forming a masterpiece. That's the first creation. But because we live in a fallen world, we need to be recreated, right? And he talks about that. He has created us again or anew in Christ Jesus. John 3 talks about that. The second creation is so powerful, it's like being born again. But think with me for a moment. What's all this creation about? What's all this life-giving for? He doesn't leave us to guess. He created us so we can do the good things he planned long ago. Your design, your life comes with intents. God wired you, made you, designed you, breathed in you so that life could flow through you. And I want to pause just for a moment, and I want to speak to somebody here this morning. You are not an accident. You're not what somebody has done to you. You're not what somebody has spoken over you. 
Maybe the context into which you were actually born and the, the nature of your, your actual birth. Maybe you feel like an accident. Maybe you feel like a mistake. I don't know you, but I want you to know from God's word today, you were knit in your mother's womb. The one who spoke the galaxy's hand formed you. But he did it on purpose. And he did it for a purpose. There's always life on the other side of death. And the dying, the laying it down is actually for raising it up, a life that's full of purpose. And we actually see when we reflect on our base scripture that this is where Jesus was going with all the dying in the first place, right? I mean, look back at the text. He says, yes, a kernel of wheat, it does have to fall. Yes, it does have to die. But check this out. But its death will what? Say that with me. It will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of what? New lives, purpose, life, life, purpose, inextricably linked. Your God, your God has woven this not only into the fabric of the world, but it is the essence of the very gospel itself. May I remind you, an empty tomb chased a rugged cross. Life flows from death, and it's the same for you and I. He has so much for you. He has so much through you. You see, the reality is, when we really think about it, when we get objective and we remove ourselves from the consumption with the control that we want to have, it really isn't even a fair trade, is it? We exchange our plan, which leads to death, for his purpose, which produces life. I don't know about you, but I want to lead in. The question for us is simply this. Do you actually believe that his purpose is better than your plan? How many of y'all in the Healthy Spouse Club, Healthy Spouse Club, how many of y'all like me married a healthy spouse? Now, I want to set some ground rules real quick. You're not allowed to elbow anybody no cutting eyes, no saying something bad in church, right? But how many of you like me, you married a healthy spouse? Just go ahead and raise that hand, raise that hand. We're going to have a prayer service afterwards for you. <laughs> now, I'm going to be honest with y'all. Like, I came into marriage, like, on that steady diet of Mountain Dew and Reese's peanut butter cups. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, man, the good and goldies. Love that caffeine. My bride, on the other hand, like, she came in eating, like, pine nuts and tree bark. You know what I'm saying? Like, she came straight out of the woods. She's bringing that health into the home and and so we were actually married about 10 years before we had our first. And we have uh, two children, Arrow and Given. And, and I'll bet you that you can guess what the, the early days food, food plan consisted of, right? Yeah. Kale and seaweed bites all day long, right? Actually, I got a picture of my crew on the screen. Uh, my bride is my absolute best friend. As you can tell, I outpunted my coverage. She's in the house. Will you stand up, baby doll? I love you. Will you help me honor my bride? Love you, babe. 
She is the absolute best in our home. I can promise you that. And we had a little grace gift. She's four years old. She's back there tearing up the nursery. Pastor Trent, hey, uh, bill me. Uh, it's going to be a wreck. I'm just letting you know in advance. Now, our little man, Arrow, he's seven years old. And, and speaking of the food plan and family and whatnot and Mr. Arrow, like one day some years ago, I was like, you know what? I, I, I should have some say in the food plan, right? Yeah, okay, right? I mean, yeah, you married guys, you held it in right there, right? But on that particular day, I was like, I should, I should be able to sew into the food plan, you know? And, and so I, I could see little Arrow, and he was, he was sitting in the kitchen, and he's like, eating that kale and that seaweed, you know, just enjoying it, right? And I look in there, and I, I, I see him, and, and, and I'm, I'm walking towards him, and, and in our kitchen, there's a little table, two little benches, and then there's this little door frame, and sometimes my wife is on the other, other side of that door, you know, doing her studies, but I didn't care, right? I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't care about that, you know. I'm a, I was going to come in and introduce some new food to Arrow, right? And so, so I'm walking towards Arrow, full of confidence, not scared about anything, of course. And, and, and as I'm looking at Arrow, I get real close. And like with command in my voice, I looked, I looked at Arrow. I wasn't, my head wasn't on a swivel. Like I, you know, so, but at any rate, I, I looked at Arrow. And with command in my voice, I said, shh, Arrow. Daddy's got something for you. It's called a Twinkie. <laughs> and he said no. <laughs> Stuck on his plan, he missed Daddy's good purpose. <laughs> Which goes to remind us, how often do we settle for the familiar and miss God's best? Exchanging your plan for God's purpose isn't sacrifice. It's smart. Purpose produces life. God has good intent, good design. He wants true, abundant life to flow in you and flow through you. His plans are good. Purpose produces life. And when we think about it, we see in our faith heroes, imperfect people in God's word that more often than not made the connection between the life they live and the purpose God had, right? Sunday and Monday weren't disconnected. Uh, think about Noah, construction for Jesus, listening to God, building the ark, rescuing humanity. David, civic leadership underneath the lordship of God, used by God, restoring unity between the northern and southern kingdom. Uh, think about Esther, listening to the voice of God, taking risks with her life, used by God to preserve the people of God. And this same concept, this same connection between purpose and life flows right into the New Testament, doesn't it? I mean, think about Paul. Look no further than Paul. I mean, listen to his language in Acts. He says, but my life, now this is big, y'all. But my life is worth nothing to me. Really? You would give up breath, be done with life. It's, mean, it's meaningless unless I use it for purpose. Finishing doing the thing that God knit me in my mother's womb for in the first place. And you see this, this same sentiment in, in language that comes in reverse order in Romans. 
right? He, he says there, he says, give yourselves completely to God, right? Paraphrase, all in on your purpose. Why? You were dead. There is a way that seems right. But now you have new life, purpose, life, life, purpose. You see, Christ's death in resurrection saves our souls. But it's God's purpose that fuels our lives. And for me, I had to die to come alive to God's purpose in me. But I often tell people, if you survive dying, it changes how you live. And God opened the eyes of my blind heart. He began to help me see what was always in front of me, his heart for the lost. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And then he called the found to join him on mission. Go make disciples and do it in all nations. But he also began to open my eyes to his heart for the poor. Did you know that in God's word, over 2,000 times, there are calls from our God to his people to care for the poor? And all of that began to stir. I began to hear. I began to lean in. And then fuel was poured on the fire. I was working on a master's in counseling. We were doing a lot of inner city urban ministry. But academically, I had learned in my undergrad a lot about what's called extreme poverty, cross-cultural issues, cultural anthropology. Uh, extreme poverty is actually defined as people trying to survive on less than $1.95 a day. Wow. Think about that. What if you were trying to survive on $1.95 a day? What would that look like? Let's do a visualization exercise. So just close your eyes real quick. What would make the budget if your budget was $1.95 a day? What would the cupboards look like? The kitchen? the neighborhood. Open your eyes. Welcome to the slums. My first experience in 05, 300,000 precious human beings trapped in extreme poverty, raw sewage running through streets, children, life expectancy on a level that I could never imagine, people walking four to six miles to get, to get household water. I remember for a month living in the community, building relationships with people the names, the poverty becoming personal. I went to a lady's house named Velma, her entire home, maybe 10 by 10, 12 by 14. I'm standing in her home, dirt floor, all the earthly belongings in this one room, porous roof, 10 siding, and Velma looks at me and she says, 12 people sleep here each night. I look back at Velma and I say, Velma, how is that possible? I'll never forget. She pointed to this soiled bed in the corner of the room and she said, my husband and I sleep here. One child to the right, one child to the left, and we lay one kid across our feet. She pointed to this rickety table across the dirt floor, and she said, we lay three kids on this hardwood table every night. That's bed. She pointed to this makeshift bench along the tin siding, and she said, the rest of the kids, they sleep arms crossed, and they lean against the tin siding. And then she said, we rotate because the bed is the best night's sleep. And I walked out of her home into this broader community and the stories that transformed my heart, I'll never be able to fully tell.
But names became faces. Faces, stories. Stories, people. Poverty, personal. And the commands of God no longer could fall on deaf ears. And I realized coming back from that, I was going to spend the rest of my life trying to forget what I saw or the rest of my life trying to do something about it. And wrestling that tension, God began to breathe purpose. And a vision formed. So I actually dropped out of grad school, moved into my car, lived in the car, homeless for eight months. We assembled a board. Churches like yours began to resource us. And then we went to execute this crazy God vision. Y'all want to see the vision he gave? Yeah? All right, let me show it to you. So the vision was, what if we came into the community and bought land and then built out a rescue center right in the middle of the mess, created a hub of hope. And there we could have relevant disciple making, right? The sport of choice used to connect people with the gospel. But we'd also have full-fledged poverty alleviating services would come alongside the physical needs of the community. The dream entailed raising up indigenous people so that we could one day serve hundreds of thousands. It was a wild dream, but missional churches like yours resourced us, and today that dream is a working reality. As I stand here, amazing men and women are advancing the gospel there. Children, youth, and adults are coming by the thousands to do what they love, but while they're there, they hear about the one that loves them. From people that speak the language, drink the water, and understand the culture, the, go the gospel is going forth. But food and water and education and health services are impacting lives today. Small businesses are creating products and opportunities. And the gospel is going forward in East Africa and West Africa and Haiti. And 630 team members now are actually serving hundreds of thousands of people on a weekly basis. And I want you to know, church, that purpose produces life. I want you to know that your giving is going. I want you to know that you're impacting your city, but you're impacting your world. I want you to know that God has given you breath in your lungs to stay on mission. I want you to know that his call for this house is not done. I want you to know that God wants each of us to make the connection in our own way with the life he has given and the purpose he wants to bring forth through us. I want to encourage you from a deep and personal place with a simple reality. Life, it's a vapor. And it's too short to live disconnected from purpose. I want to speak from my soul for a moment. I beg you, don't waste your life on things that will not matter when it's done. I want to encourage you this morning. Live a life that outlives this life. He's worth it. They're worth it. Live your life in view of his purpose. You see, at the end of the day, God wants each and every one of us to come alive to the very thing that we're all dying for, purpose. But I recognize it as, as I speak to, to a crowd of this size and folks tuning in online and folks at our, at our wonderful Knoxville location that we're really coming in from a wide variety of spaces, right? Different issues, different challenges, different locations. 
And, and it would be foolish of me to, to, to expect that I can put myself in your shoes. But I do want to offer you this, this truth that we're really at the end of the day, two groups here. First is believers, followers of Jesus. And the simple word for you imparting is life's a vapor. So run hard, stay the course. Well done rests on the backside of the purpose-filled path. Let's go. But I also would bet that there's folks tuning in online or blessing us with your presence this morning that you're, you're still kicking the tires on this church thing, this God thing, this Jesus thing. Maybe you've been hurt in the past. Maybe just Jesus is new, the Bible's new to you. And the first thing that I would wanna say to you on behalf of Pastor Trent and all the team members here, this house was built with you in mind. You are welcome, we love you. We are so honored that you chose to come here today. Thank you. But I also humbly submit to you that you're at a crossroads. There's a path in front of you. And at the trailhead of that path, there's a cross. And the one who hung, who bled, who died, he did so on purpose. He did so for a purpose. For you, for God so loved the world that he gave his son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And he says, if you confess with your heart, if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so this morning, I extend the arms of Jesus and I invite you, embrace your Savior. Every head bowed, every eye closed. In a moment, I'm gonna offer a prayer for anyone who today will decide, I wanna follow Jesus today. And in the safety of this room with no one looking around, I would love to know who I'm praying with. And so if, if you're ready, if you'd say, you know what, Micah, today's the day. I wanna cross the line of decision. I wanna give my life to Jesus. Will you just slip up your hand? Just slide it up for a moment. Just let me see it there. Just you go ahead, raise it up. Yes, sir. Anyone else? Today, cross that line. Yes, ma'am. Anyone else? Hold it up. Hold it up high. I'm going to pray with you in a moment. Anyone else? Today's the day. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Anyone else? Hold it up high. Okay, no magic words, but it's a life yielded to Christ. Will you pray with me? God, I need you. I confess I've gone my own way. I confess my sin but I declare today, I believe in you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising. Today, I place my trust in you. Today, I choose to follow you, to make you Savior and Lord of my life. Hey, Faith family, the Bible says, when one turns, the heavens rejoice. And so right now, the angels are throwing a mad bash. Will you join me in welcoming new folks into the family? We are best decision. We are excited for you. Let me encourage you, after service, if you go into the atrium, you'll see a sign. It says, care 
in prayer. Let them know, hey, I, I've decided to follow Jesus. The church wants to come alongside you to equip you, to encourage you. Your journey has just begun. Hey, and everybody else and you as well, I wanna offer a resource to you. You'll see on the screen, Dying for Purpose. Uh, it's a book that came out recently and I wanna let you know in advance, I don't get anything out of it. All proceeds go to the ministry. But there are early conversations about a movie. Uh, it's a book that's filled with principles and crazy stories. I'm talking about crazy stories, stoned in Africa, and I'm not talking about stoned, right? Uh, and, and just some crazy stuff. But I think the principles will encourage you. There's also free small group curriculum with it. And so I wanna make that available to you. You can get that at Amazon. And lastly, we're so grateful to be locking shields with the, the house. If you wanna stay connected to kind of post encouraging words, updates from the field, you can follow and link in here. Hey, you are a part of a faith family that is making a difference that's bigger than you'll ever know. And I wanna say on behalf of all your global missions partners, thank you, thank you. Purpose produces life. Let's go this week. Let's see God move in this house. Bring every friend you can. Let's see Jesus exalted. God, we love you. We acknowledge that you are King. All hail King Jesus. Thank you for giving us life. Thank you for laying down yours. Thank you for inviting us into a purpose-rich race. Help us to live for you and by you that we can make a difference. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Appreciate you, Foothills. Thank you so much for watching this video. We'd love for you to like the video and leave a comment. And we also encourage you to subscribe and click the bell so you never miss a post from Foothills Church. To learn more about FC, just head to our website by going to foothillschurch.com or by clicking the link in the description below.